Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Ken Benjamins. So, Ken, why don't you kick us off? Uh, Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and the church that you're at. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, in Dundas, Ontario, Canada. So, uh, which makes me a Canadian pastor. I don't know, Jason, how many Canadians you have on your on your program or whatever. We've had a decent amount. I have a number of friends up in Canada, so we we let you on the podcast every. Okay. Good. <laughs> yep. So I, this is my fourth church. I've been a pastor for 20, almost 26 years now. So, um, and all my churches have been in, in Ontario and the last three have been just in the same classes here. So uh-huh. I'm, I've been here for a long time. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, I'm married to Marianne and we've been married for 36 years. I think it is. We have five kids um, uh, four of them are married. We have 13 grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, they're all Christians. They all serve the Lord by God's grace, which we're very, very thankful about. Um, yeah, what can I say? I, um, I grew up on, uh, grew up in uh, Southwestern Ontario, you know, it's a small place called Blythe. It's a little town of about a thousand people at the time. And my, my dad was a farmer. And so I grew up in an immigrant, I grew up in an immigrant home. So, uh, that, yeah, we, we were the typical Canadian Christian form church of the time. I was born in 1964 and, um, and, uh, born in Hamilton, Ontario, which is, I'm in classes Hamilton, but we moved to Blythe, Ontario. That's where my dad had a farm and that's where I grew up. And, um, yeah, so we were, we were kind of Dutch back then. So even yeah. as a little, little kid, I still remember going to a Dutch service once in a while in the afternoon. And uh, even then I didn't understand a word of it, but I didn't understand the English sermons either way. It's all Greek to me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yet if you, uh, if you remember our, the convention that we had in, in, uh, in August, then uh, at the Abide convention, um, I was talking about how I used to still preach to my brother, Jerry, when I was six years old. So uh I- the church was very, very important to us. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I grew up, grew up on the farm. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I went to high school, and after I was out of high school, I, be, I became an auto body mechanic. That's what I did for the first number of years. And I, education and academia was the last interest of mine. But yet it was in the auto body shop that I started conversing with my bosses about the gospel, and, and that's when uh, I realized I don't know anything, and I probably should grow up a little bit and learn some more. So I went to a local college in London, Ontario, and then I realized, nah, I don't want to do that either. And then I landed up at Redeemer University, and um, that's where I really grew up. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That was uh, that's interesting. I, I was I was the kid in high school too. That uh, actually, from the time I was really little, I dreamed of being an auto mechanic. That was my uh -huh. yeah. Everybody's like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I'm like, "I want to be a mechanic." And <laughs> look at me like not like a police, like shoot higher. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I just yeah. yeah, I was just telling somebody that. Uh, my dad still teases me that I've probably lost half of his tools in the dirt in Montana. Um, uh, I was pulling right. engines apart and stuff, but yeah, I still have all my auto body tools. I still do some auto body work once in a while, and I like to tinker in my garage a little bit. So that's all good. Yeah, there was that Redeemer. I also met Marianne. Um, we were our claim to fame. Redeemer was still quite new at the time. I started Redeemer in his third year of existence. So oh, it was wow. a very small school at the time. So Marianne and I, we were the first couple to meet at Redeemer and get married while we were students at Redeemer. So that's our claim to fame there. Oh, I'm making history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but And Redeemer is pretty close to us still. My wife works at Redeemer and all of her kids went through Redeemer. And I have a, a daughter who teaches at Redeemer now and a, a daughter-in-law who also teaches at Redeemer. So uh, it's it's very, very dear to us. Um, uh, Christian higher education. Well, all Christian education is important to yeah. us. So, yeah, it's all good. I should maybe say, Jason, about my own um, uh, upbringing as a Reformed Christian. Like, my mom and dad, they, they were Dutch immigrants, but they belonged to a very small denomination in the Netherlands called the Christelijk Reformeerde Kerken, which is a, a church that is, is um, very much tied into the offskiting of 1834. Mm -hmm. It is the official continuing church of the offskiting. So my parents um, were from that tradition. And so in my upbringing, that was the, 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 the things that were important to the offskiting um, were things that were dear in my home as well. So a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, experiencing the gospel, that was really, really stressed. And uh, don't presume anything about your salvation unless you know for sure that you serve the Lord. Those are the themes mm -hmm. that I grew up in. And, and then when I went to Redeemer, that's when I kind of picked up a bit more of a Kuyperian perspective on things, and yeah. all of life is religion. So in my own theological toolbox, I, I, I emphasize, you know, the, the depth of the Christian faith that comes from my upscouting up, upbringing, I think, and, but the gospel is also very wide, and that's where my Kuyperian thinking comes from. And somehow I think I managed to kind of hold those two kind of things together in my brain so that's yeah that's awesome well, and that's really the the heart of the i would say when we get back to our roots of the christian reformed church we've been trying to hold those two things in tension yeah from yeah. the beginning you know the the deep pietistic right if you if you read any books on crc history they talk about the three different streams right the yes professional pietistic and the the kyperian and then more of the I, sometimes it's kind of negative, but the Americanized kind of culture. Um, but uh, we we're kind of, we've always been trying to hold them in tension. You can see those different streams and where people yep. um, kind of lean one way or the other, but probably the healthiest churches are the ones who 
who are able to hold. And I would say in particular, just that, that Kyperian kind of broadness along with that confessional pietistic. Yep. Yep. Amen to that. Yep. I, I agree with that completely. That's where, that's where I'm coming from. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I should, maybe should say too, that for myself, um, I've always had an interest in the doctrine of common grace. Mm. So um, I did a thesis on common grace at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, and Joe Beakey was my supervisor for that, for my thesis. And um, so the whole history of the Christian Reformed Church, um, especially in 1924, the whole uh, split overnight over common grace, it's been an interest of mine. Yeah. Uh, which ties into, in a certain way, the whole uh yeah who are we as a denomination and how do we how do we remain that uh, yeah that depth of your faith but yet it has to be wide but you don't want to become worldly and i know herman hoops about that was his big concern that the common grace thinking is just going to make us worldly in the end and i understand that concern and i uh, i agree with him there um he's got some good points there so um yeah yeah we've seen that in a lot of in some ways it doesn't i i I agree. I, I like Herman Hooksma. I read quite a bit of his stuff. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I think we've seen that practically a lot of people who have yeah. been a lot of that common grace have kind of become more worldly. I don't think yeah. it has to be that way, but, right. but right. practically it does seem to kind of carry that, that out. So. Yeah, I, I would, I would tend to agree. Yeah, Hooksma wasn't, uh, he was not a dummy. That's for sure. <laughs> no. And he was passionate. Yeah. He yes, really he was. Yeah. 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 What, you know, I, I look back on those years, uh, you know, the, the twenties, right. That was yeah. uh, anybody who's, you know, looked at CRC history, like that was a really tense time in the Christian yes. church. Um, what, what would your thoughts be, Ken? Cause I would say if you were writing theses on that, you probably are somewhat of an expert on that era, or at yeah. least you know more than not most about what's going on. What would you say about the tensions that were going on in the Christian Reformed Church back in the 20s to the tensions going on in the Christian Reformed Church now, like in these 20s, in the 2020s? Okay, that is a good question. Um, I th I think, um, and the Protestant Reformed would probably agree with me on this one, uh, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, and Hooksom already warned us back in the 1920s that uh, these the troubles over common grace are going to haunt us in the future. And I think there is some truth to that. Um, uh, so Hooksma was concerned that our common grace theology would make us, um, would, would cause us to baptize too much uh, stuff in our culture. And I think he's kind of right. We haven't always been, been careful. So we emphasize, uh, so sometimes we emphasize things in the world or, 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 or and we, we baptize them too, too quickly. So you take the, the evolution, let's say, um, you know, all science or most scientists agree with evolution. There's got to be something good about that. And so since it's good, it comes from God. And since it comes from God, it's got to be, yeah, it's got to be good. So we have to somehow baptize and use it. And um, you know, we have to be careful that uh, all science is good, but evolution involves a certain kind of worldview. Mm -hmm. uh, so are we really being... Um, careful with what the worldview is behind some of these things. So I even have it like in my own church uh, or my own church in Canadian culture. Anyways, you know, we love sports. Sports is a gift of God, which it is, but sometimes we'll use sports to say, well, I got a tournament on Sunday. I can't go to church on Sunday, but you know, God wants me to use my gifts. He's giving me the gift to play soccer, whatever it is, or baseball. So we use that. We use our 
since it's God's gift and it's all part of God's common grace or whatever you want to call it, we use that to trump actually going to church. <laughs> so uh, I think maybe there's some kind of common grace thinking that somehow is involved in that somewhere. We got to be much more careful. Yeah. 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 I once uh, I was talking to a guy who was, uh, uh, well, well, I'll just say he, he's uh well, he's an evangelist. I would say he's got gifts of evangelism, right? So he's really passionate about uh, sharing the gospel with the lost, which I have, obviously I, I am too. Um, but he was talking to somebody about like, he was kind of talking about, well, you know, yeah, I miss church every once in a while to, to go to these different sporting events, but it's just a great opportunity to share the gospel. And I don't have that kind of an opportunity at church on Sunday mornings. And the guy next to him said, you can make anything sound good if you want to. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, that's right. There, we can we can always kind of twist things and try to justify uh, anything, yeah. really. And uh, and skipping worship is one of those things where we can yeah. always find a way to kind of work out of it if if we want to. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have even like with our with, like with zooming it, so we can do such such wonderful things with Zoom calls. So we can do church online now. We're using that as an excuse sometimes not to go to church because I can watch it online. You know, that's that's dangerous stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it ends up taking some of these, you know, like all of life is worship, which we would wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. People are like, well, I worship everywhere. I don't have to go there on a Sunday morning. And yeah. um, and, and it ends up becoming, you know, the, this whole conversation has re- reminded me of when Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees and he was saying, you know, you take man's law and you place it over God's law. And uh, where we try to excuse all these things and forgetting that God said, no, you need to worship on Sundays. (laughs) Like you don't get to work out of that. I told you to go worship on Sundays and use your gifts and talents and all of that, but you're supposed to worship on Sundays. That trumps any of your other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that regard, you know, the third part of the catechism is is a you know uh, explication of uh, explication of of the law of God. So the Ten Commandments are designed to govern how we live. So um, mm-hmm. that law trumps all the other laws yeah. <laughs> that we make up along the way. Yeah. That's right, and it's a uh, that this last Sunday for me too. Uh, we are looking at the portion of the catechism is talking about you know what's involved in genuine repentance or conversion. Yep. And I always point to everybody that part of that is the the raising to life of the new self, which is a yep. wholehearted joy yes. and desire to do, to love and do all that God has called us to do. And so um, actually part of genuine conversion is us loving to do the law that God has given us to do. Yep, yep. Um, yep. And that includes all of these other things, not trying to figure out ways to get around them, but, but actually yep. loving to do that and finding joy um, as we live that out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. I'd be curious, Ken, how, so how have you seen that, that kind of uh, holding, it's not really a holding intention. I think they actually work beautifully together, but that kind of confessionalistic, pietistic kind of tendency that came out of the off um, and then the Kyperian thing. How is that kind oh. of the way that you have done? Oh, good. Oh, good question. Love it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so as a good Kyperian that I am, um, well, I, I, you know, Albert Walters is a good friend of mine, actually. Well, he's getting older now, but um, so maybe don't connect with him as much now. But he wrote um, Creation Regained. And the theme of yeah. his book is kind of like structure and direction. And I really, 
yeah, I kind of fall into that. So the structures of creation are all good. Uh, even Hooksman would agree with that. Uh, the structures of creation are all good, but they're all um, either used in for the glory of God or for the glory of man. So we have to redeem all, or redeem or reconcile to Christ all these structures, and and that can only be done if we have a true, deep faith in Jesus Christ. So what we need is a deep faith in Jesus Christ, and with that, we we go into our homes, into our marriages, and our schools, and our politics, and we apply the gospel there as much as we can. But um, if we ignore the faith aspect, then what we're going to get is just a social justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we ignore the structures of creation, then we're all going to get us a kind of fundamentalism, you know, just as long as you love Jesus. Well, no, it's structure and direction. Now, all of creation is good, and that maybe that's a theme of mine as well. All creation is good. Uh, I think it's a reformed theme. God's creation is good, and um, we have to develop it. Um, that's cultural mandate. But again, but the only way we can truly develop it is if we have a close walk with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's... Uh... This is maybe why we get along, Ken. This is uh, <laughs> my uh, my thing because I always call myself Kyperian, and people always kind of laugh because I talk a lot about more of the Pietistic kind of stuff. But I my yeah. my line is always changed hearts, changed lives, and changed lives, changed families, and workplaces. Yeah. Um, and and that really is that uh, close connection. If we try to. Yeah, that Kyperian impulse is really good, but if it gets disconnected from that pietistic yep. part and uh, hearts changed by the gospel, yeah, it turns into a social a social gospel, really. Yeah, yeah, uh, yep. which is yep. no gospel at all. Not no gospel yeah. at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, I worry sometimes that our denomination will, um, well, yeah, either emphasize one or the other. I think on the progressive end of things, we talk a lot about, uh, yeah, social justice kinds of stuff. And, and but is the faith part really there? And what does that mean that you say you have faith? I mean, lots of people say they have faith, but is it true? Is it a true commitment to Christ? And yeah, the c- conversion, the dying away of the yeah. old self and bringing to life the new. Yeah. 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 It's a huge, um, yeah, that's the one part of the catechism. I said it's my favorite part. Uh, because it it does a really good job of talking about the hating sin and running away from it being yeah. part of conversion, but also the wholehearted joy that, yeah. comes, that we're not just people who say, no, stop doing, stop doing, stop doing. We do say that, but we say, stop doing this because there's something better and greater and more joy uh, when you turn and, and follow Christ. And that's uh, part of genuine conversion. Yep. Amen. Amen. But we don't talk about that a lot. We talk about, um, I think, I think we probably part of just uh, reformation and revitalization that needs to happen, not just in the denomination, but at the local level at, in churches, is a is kind of a revitalization of what the gospel really is. And I think yep. a lot of people, when I talk to uh, most Christians, they think, well, the gospel just means I'm forgiven. Yeah. And they forget that the gospel means you're transformed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you're forgiven and transformed. But yeah, you're forgiven, but you don't just live as someone who's only forgiven. You live as someone who's being transformed into Absolutely. something new. And I think that uh, I think we've lost that. Yeah, the church. I need to recover it. Yeah, I, I I think so. I think so. Which affects also the issues related to HSR kind of stuff, like our sexuality has to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and not just sexuality. Sexuality is just one area, but but all areas—home, um, yeah, work, our schooling, yeah, everything, relationships. 
Yeah. I'm just going to start a, I'm going to start a series pretty soon on uh, relationships, um, relationships in the home, relationships in marriage, relationships in the church, relationships at, at work. Um, yeah. And how do you have relationships with people that you disagree with? What does that look like? And, uh, I think the gospel has something to say about these areas, so I'll I'll try it. <laughs> Amen. No, that's yeah. good. Well, we need to talk about that, right? I mean, that's yeah. uh, uh, we're always going to be encountering people that we disagree with, especially that last one, right? We're in a society right now, and uh, where we have a hard time uh, disagreeing with one another in a in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, and where we either think we just have to agree with everything that they say, and that's the nice yeah. thing to do, or we have to like hate them. Or we yeah. even, you know, some people seem to think like, if you disagree with them, you must hate them. Yeah. And, uh, and I find myself constantly having to talk to people and say, I disagree with most of my best friends, you know, like we're just, but we're in a good relationship. We can talk and disagree and have yeah. friendship, but I can still in the end of the day say, no, I think you're wrong, but I love yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're right, Jason. We, we, we have a difficult time somehow articulating that. So, yeah, I, I, hmm, we have, we, we're hard at, we have a difficult time kind of saying, you know what, I disagree with you on this, or I don't think that's right what you're doing there. Just by saying that we are, we're being either judgmental or we're not being nice or something like that. Now, of course we have to be nice and everything else, but there has to be room in our vocabulary somewhere, especially as Christians that we can, call each other to account or something yeah especially inside the church <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh so you know have you seen this kind of you know a lot of people have talked about um this kind of playing itself out in the christian reformed church too right where we're having a really even you know at synod we're having a hard time being able to disagree with one another right mm-hmm. and so there's uh, on the one side, we have, um, which I haven't heard much from them now, but the Better Together group that was really pushing, saying, well, let's just, let's stop. Like, we can disagree, but we should stay together. And there's other people, you know, like, pushing for big-time separation. How, how do you see that working out in the Christian Reformed Church? Or what's kind of the best way for us to to be able to navigate that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, uh, well, I, I do think confessional integrity, uh, if we are a Christian Reformed Church, then we have to be a Christian Reformed Church, which starts with confessional integrity of some sort. And so for those who do not want to adhere to the confessions, they, yeah, we the, we have to address that somehow. Either they, they have to move on to a different denomination or they have to be under discipline or, or something. Um or else we're just going to have, it's just going to get watered down and then we're not Christian reformed anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose we can pick on some issues that are, I pick and choose what issues are really worth, you know, dying for, or whatever. But when, when an issue that is a, a, an actual salvation issue, um, uh, yeah, I, I can't compromise on salvation. Actually, actually, I don't even like that terminology. I suppose, you know, everything's a salvation issue. Uh, if, if I think that, Stealing is okay. Uh, is that a is that a salvation issue? Uh, if I steal once in a while, well, after a while, it is. Yeah. <laughs> if you know that it's wrong, but I can do it anyways, well, it's a salvation issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've always said I don't like that distinction either, and especially, you know, um, 
the more you start diving into uh, systematic theology too, and just understanding, you realize that all of these doctrines connect with, with yeah, every oh, doctrine. Yeah, I think and, so too. Uh, as I start, you know, there's a, uh, some young men from my church that I'm discipling and we're going through uh, Burkhoff systematic theology kind of little by little. And, and they always laugh because when, by the end of the, by the end of the meeting, we've kind of recapped the last like four or five weeks of material because yep. I said, see how this connects with this, which connects with that, which connects with that. Yep. And so like every, every issue really throws you off. And I, yep. I know we got to be careful that we're not being so nitpicky about everything and there's rooms for some disagreement, but, but you're right. Yeah. The stealing can be a salvation issue. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so can, um, doctrine issues as well, right? Yep. That, yep. uh, you know, Willie and I just talked about that on the podcast that's coming out, well, it'll be coming out right before this one comes, gets published where we were taught, we've been talking about how the Christian Reformed Church for a long time has, um, been more apt to discipline life matters. So if someone's abusive or yep. someone is, um, adulterous or stuff like that. We'll, we're willing to do discipline there, but if somebody's got faulty views on atonement, yeah. right? So someone who's denying penal substitutionary atonement, we're like, well, we don't. Maybe we should. That's not that big of a deal, you know. And you're like, that is a salvation issue as well yeah. because they're leading people astray yeah. through their teaching, and and they're probably if they don't understand penal substitutionary atonement, what is their faith? in as, yep. as well. And so yeah. We, we I think we have to recover this idea that that doctrine matters can also yep. be a matter of salvation. Yeah. I I, I agree. Which is like, which is what we've always kind of believed. I mean at Synod we always stand up for the form of or the covenant for office bearers. At class meetings we do the same thing now. You can't become an office bearer unless you sign the form of subscription or whatever you call it. And then the covenant for office bearers what we're saying is that our doctrines are very, very important and uh, we have to maintain them. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe in the past we've been too, yeah, maybe lenient on that. Just kind of assuming that, well, they'll come around or something like that in the future. But, you know, if you play that, game too long and after a while it gets too far and you can't pull it back so now we're in a situation like sometimes when i read some of the stuff that's coming out let's say from uh, all one body we or whatever like sometimes i'm thinking i, I don't know i'm sure i understand these people <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, they're speaking a different language and yet are they signing the actual covenant for office bearers when they say these things like they're completely some of these things are completely against the confessions um yeah yeah yeah, and they're completely against the confessions and completely speaking from a just a totally different worldview is really often where you're like, do we, I don't even know if we live in the same, yeah, reality, that sounds strong, but even in the same reality, like when I yeah. go out in the world, I see things completely differently than, than, than you do, yeah. and how can we, yeah, how can we function together? Yeah, yeah. Sense? yeah, yeah, and yet, and yet to kind of bring this all the way back, I can disagree with them and say, you're wrong. And I don't think you should be in our denomination. And yet we can still be friends. Yeah. 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 
and yep. uh, and I'm not tr- in in a way, right? I mean, there's yep. but we can still talk and we can be agreeable and and even in some areas we can even work together. Um, but but not in yeah, kind of a situation because there has to be. Uh, we're a denomination that set ourselves up to have um, a closely aligned theology amongst our leaders, and uh, yep. that's, that's a good thing, I think. I, I agree. So even I'm part of I'm an active part of our local ministerial over here, and we have Baptists and, and, and different people in the Anglican Church as well, uh, with all different groups there. But I don't I don't I don't hide my uh, my three forms of unity in my back pocket when I'm there, they, they know where, where I stand. And, and maybe because of that, like with my, my local Baptist guy, yeah, he's a great guy, a good friend of mine. And we make jokes with each other. And I tell him how I'm going to baptize, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drown him in my baptismal font. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and he'll joke about how he's going to drown me in his big, big pool. Well, whatever, you know, but we understand each other. And uh, so we don't let that get in the way of, of uh, where we can to do ministry together. And yeah. Yeah. And yet, um, like I've said before, so we can be friends, we can work together, we can tease each other about our theological differences. And yet both of you would probably say, yeah, you probably couldn't be an office bearer in my church. Right. Yep. And you wouldn't be offended. Like I wouldn't be offended by that if let's say I end up moving somewhere and, and the, the only good church in town's a reformed Baptist church. And they say, Hey, because you don't believe in, you know, believers only baptism. Yeah, uh, you can't be an office bearer. I would not be offended by that. No, I would no, expect no. that to be just kind of the, the normal part of, yeah, being yep. part of such a church. Yep, I I agree. Yeah, I, I think in the best of times, that's how we've always understood this. So yeah, yeah, and like I've said, I think it just what what I've found helpful is is you can actually have a better relationship because you're just, you're open and honest about where you're at and what you believe. And so you can actually talk to one another. If you're, if you're all trying to say unity, unity, when we don't really know where everybody stands, you don't actually have a good solid relationship. But if you, if you're just have clear, like, here's where we disagree. We're, we're good with that. Here's how we can work together. Yeah. You can have a really solid relationship there. Yeah. 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 That's right. So in that, in that regard, maybe I can share some of my own theological views on like, like I'm Christian reformed for a reason. I, I'm not a Baptist. I, I am Christian reformed. Um, uh, not that I think that Baptists have good things to say. They do, but we have our own unique distinctives that are important to me. So I, I use when when people ask me, okay, what is the Christian reformed church or what is the reformed faith about? I usually list about five different things. As mm-hmm. so for us, it starts with the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign over everything he's sovereign in salvation if i'm a christian it's not first of all because i chose him it's because he chose me um uh, he's sovereign over all of that and um uh, he's sovereign over politics uh the home education he's also sovereign over illness you know uh, if i get cancer it's not because well satan must have given that to me which some christians would teach no i uh, even illness is part of god's sovereign control and that gives me comfort so the sovereignty of God is a, is a powerful thing. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Um, with that, then the covenant, the, the doctrine of the covenant. I think our, uh, our theology of the covenant is so rich. Uh, you know, with the evangelicals, I, I agree that we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But, um, but it's, but it, what our relationship that we have with, with Christ is not just a, a friendship relationship. No, we're actually married. God makes vows to us. Uh, he makes promises under oath. That's marriage language. 
which makes my relationship with God so much richer and so much deeper. And then to think that this carries on to the generations. Um, so the whole, yeah, I baptize my children, understanding that they're they're part of this covenant now too. That's such a beautiful doctrine. It's, it, it's what ties scriptures together. Doctrine of creation, as I've said before, I think uh, if we if we all that God has given us is good, all is fallen, but in Christ all things are reconciled to Him. So uh, we have a high view of creation, and we can enjoy everything in the creation, including sexuality. Some people mm -hmm. think, well, you can't talk about sex because that's a that's a taboo subject or a bad subject or a sinful subject. No, no, no. God made sex, <laughs> so let's mm -hmm. celebrate that. Let's talk about that. And how do we re how do we fix these things so that it's for God's glory? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, uh, sovereignty of God, covenant, creation, history. I think we have a particular view of history. We have one story of salvation. So the old leading into the new. The Old Testament Israel uh, is is the church of God in its infancy stage. We're now we're in the adult stage, and we have the spirit. Um, so uh, so there's dispensationalism. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for uh, God. The coming of the kingdom. The kingdom is coming. It's all one story. That all leads to that, and we just preach that, brother. We just preach that. Yeah. And last of all, I think we have a peculiar doctrine of the church. We are not just a, a group of people that gather together. Uh, no, we have an institutional view of the church. We have offices, and those offices are important. And there are means of grace, the preaching of the word and the sacraments, and also this church discipline. This is what keeps, uh, this is what holds us together uh, and maintains some kind of integrity. Um, so th those are those are the things that I celebrate as a Reformed Christian. Sovereignty of God, covenant, creation, history, and a, and a solid doctrine of the church. This, I think, is what's distinctive and unique about us, and I love it all. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. That way, you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to the Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for part two of our conversation with Ken Benjamins. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So, keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.